what happened to that? That that video you just saw, the 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 kids, the dancing, the playing, what happened to that? We all did that. We all started out dancing, playing. Somewhere along the line, we, we lost it. We're all of us from the, the, the tiniest kitten or puppy all the way to, to grown humans. We, 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 we know how to play, right? We know how to dance. Um, you don't have to teach a kid to play. You don't have to tell a kid, now, when you hear music, you start moving. We, we teach that out of them, but, but you never see a kid going, well, I'm not that good at dance. No, that, that, it's just innate. It's instinctive. We know how to play. It's part of how we're made. Because we serve a God who plays. Now, is that a provocative statement? Is that controversial? I hope not. But... It's still true. We serve a God who plays. Our God plays. Let's let's look at that for a moment. Think about this. Let's go all the way back. He, He didn't have to create. His existence was not dependent on him creating a world or creating people or creating a a universe. He didn't have to create. But that's who he is. He's a creator. He's artistic. He didn't have to to create it the way he created it. Think about that. There's no need for chocolate. I know some of you would disagree with me. There's no need for coffee. There's no need for bread. There's all these things that God created as gifts for us is, is him playing. For that matter, there's really no need for pleasure in itself. If we're honest... There's no need for food to taste good to sustain our bodies. There's no need for it to to smell delicious. There's no need for for feelings to be pleasurable. There's no need for music to sound beautiful. But there it is because that's our God. See, our God plays. You still don't believe me? What, What about a kangaroo? I mean, come on, if you were creating, if you were going to create animals, would you create a kangaroo? Would would you create an emu? You know, would you create a a narwhal, the the unicorn of the sea? Would, Would you create a platypus? Don't tell me that our God does not play. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn over to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, Isaiah is chastising the people of Israel. He is chastising the people of God because they've lost the purpose in their worship. It's it's become a chore. It's become a ritual. It's become a, a task to get checked off of their list. And while they still dabble with the forms of worship, they've lost the understanding of the function. They, and unfortunately, I can't help but think that many of our churches get the same way. Let's read together with me, Isaiah 58, start at verse 1. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight 
to draw near to God? Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. See, Isaiah's indictment to Israel is that they play at seeking God. That they fast and they go about the the business, the forms of being religious, but it's not in their hearts. They, they continue to go about their business while playing at worship. Verse 3, where it says, In the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure, is more literally translated, you do your own business. You, you see how it's connected in that passage with oppressing workers. So it, it's, it's more about doing your own business. And he, he's saying while the Israelites are acting religious, it's merely a cloak. It's merely a front. It's, it's, it's something they play at. It isn't worship, it's business. Business as usual. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it gets that way. And if we got nothing else from this time in our lives, maybe we have a new appreciation for worship. Maybe we have a new appreciation for things that we considered normal, like going to church. Maybe things that we took for granted, like taking communion. God is telling them, and I think he's telling us as well today, that that his fast, his Sabbath, his worship is not to be drudgery or an obligation or a task. Instead, it's to be a delight. See, jump back in with me in, in verse 13. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, remember your business, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, when I read this I I was intrigued, and I want to know, what does that mean? Delight. What does that word mean? Because I I have an idea in English, but you know that it's not written in English. Isaiah was not written in English, and so uh, it's not always the same as what I understand it. And I I get to digging. This This is me. It's what I like to do. And I set about digging, and what I find, what I found was that The Hebrew word that's translated delight is a difficult word for the the translators to handle because it has a very complex meaning. Literally, it's something like to be soft toward. And and it implies an intimacy. Uh, But it's, it's deeper than that. It's not that simple. To call the Sabbath a delight actually means to call it a luxury to call it pleasurable, to call it something that is a gift, a, a, a gift from God, to call it desirable, a privilege. But then in verse 14, where it says to take delight in the Lord, 
when, when the sentence structure changes, it changes the meanings of words. And I'm not going to get all into that because you'll all go to sleep on me. But the literal translation is something close to to revel in. To party. To play. The Sabbath is not supposed to be this miserable, overly pious day of mourning. It's not supposed to be this, this thing. It's, it's supposed to be about playing with God, about partying with God, about celebrating with God. Now, as churches, we've got that one messed up. I mean, you go back as far as you want to go. Ambrose of Milan frequently quoted Jesus as saying, Woe to you who laugh, for you shall weep. And he told his people to avoid all games of any kind. Go forward in the Archbishop of Constantinople, John Christosom, wrote, The world is not a theater in which we can laugh, and we are not assembled together in order to burst into peals of laughter, but to weep for our sins. It is not God who gives us the chance to play, but the devil. John Wesley famously wrote about Methodist schools that they were to prohibit play in the strongest of terms, for those who play when they are young will play when they are old. And we're not immune to this. I was once in a church building, and I heard an older lady cautioning her granddaughter that, that we shouldn't run in the church building because the body of Jesus was laid out on the altar, and you just want to go, no, 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 no. That's a different religion that comes to pray for a dead prophet. We come together to celebrate a risen Savior, and we miss it. We miss the idea that play is some of what this is supposed to be about. Jesus didn't miss that. You go to Luke 18, verse 16, Jesus calls the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. See, God doesn't want the Sabbath to be one more burden. He doesn't want the Sabbath to be, to be this thing that he places upon you. Jesus is going to say that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not something that you're supposed to serve. It's not about completing a task. It's not even about recharging your battery and resting up so that you can get to the important stuff to come. This is the important stuff. It's about delight. It's about play. We serve a God who plays, a God who sings, a God who dances, and He wants us to be people in His image. People who celebrate the sweet gift of worship, who celebrate the gift of praise, who celebrate His Sabbath. So when's the last time you played? When's the last time you danced? When's the last time you giggled till you couldn't breathe? That video was a number of children from our church, and it didn't take anything. I sent out an email to some moms and said, send me a video of your kid dancing. Every single one of them had one. Because children know how to play, and it's something that we've lost. God wants us to play. He wants us to rest in play and to delight in the Sabbath and therefore delight in Him. Now, if you're not ready to play, you may not be ready for heaven. Zechariah 8 describes our home as a place filled with play. Zechariah 8, verse 3, this is what the Lord says 
I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. Our God is a God of play. He gave us this gift of play. And one of the ways that we find rest, one of the ways that we experience Sabbath is to play. God wants us to delight in Him. You know why? Because He delights in you. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice over you with singing. God delights in you. Zephaniah's word, rejoice over you, can also be translated dances over you. Our God is a God who plays. You get the picture? This is not some Zeus-like being that's sitting up in heaven with his lightning bolt in hand waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you. This is a God who plays, who dances, who rejoices, and who delights in you. So, maybe it's time we learn to play a little bit. Maybe part of Sabbath is giving ourselves permission to play, to dance, to celebrate. We're made in the image of a God who plays. He delights in us and gives us a Sabbath that we can delight in Him. Let's try to find that this week. Let's try to find that in our Sabbath. Let's try to find that spirit of play. Bow with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for